joking word for word. I'm not even kidding. Have you sent me it? No, because it's a really long script. I'm just finding it now. Okay, well, we're live now. Oh, fuck. So I'll <laughs> I'll tell everyone what's going on. Basically, we're looking for the script of The Lion King so that we can <laughs> talk about the weekend. And also, because I know Chloe loves names and origins of names... I found out some facts about Rafiki. Do you know what Rafiki translates into? Um, hang on. Shh. Rafiki translates into it is written in the stars. <laughs> no friend. Oh, that's cute. I feel like he's too wise to be a friend, though. I show him too. <laughs> so I just said it to Emma when um when they're singing in the jungle. Timon and Pumbaa. And then Timon starts singing. <laughs> it's Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane is the best. And then he goes, I can't hear you, buddy. Pick me up. <laughs> Such okay. a great film. We, yeah. we know what, guys? We've got some surprises. Um, Relying King coming for you all. We're just not prepared yet. But we will be next time. <laughs> yeah, we have a whole thing. We have a whole thing. Um... <laughs> Did you know he's not a baboon? What is he? A mandrill. Oh, okay. Hmm. What's a mandrill? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's another form of monkey. Okay, let's Google that. <laughs> this is how we spend the lives now, just Googling shit. Oh. Apparently, it's so we were trying to figure out the accent yesterday for the reenactment that we need to do. Uh, it's a Jamaican accent. Which doesn't make sense, given that they're in Africa. <laughs> Thanks, cultural appropriation. <laughs> Helpful. Well, um, my, my interpretation sounded slightly more Indian, so... <laughs> I mean, you and accents aren't great. It's not a great uh, time. This monkey is, like, A, really terrifying, and B, really pretty at the same time. Like my soul. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. Let's move on and let's get to the questions. Shall we? I think we should, yes. Did you have a lovely weekend? Yeah, you know what? I didn't really do anything. I just trained, worked, hung out, relaxed. Yeah. What about you, Emma? Well, Chloe. (laughs) No, I had a very nice weekend. Thank you. It was really hot here and I went to the beach twice nice it's really hot here in london everywhere's flooded like it's it's mad like all my my old school my road everything is like it's it's crazy i've never seen london flooded like a bit mind-boggling but in fact i just saw something that mike had put up and it was like this is such a misleading headline and it was it was like two hospitals flooded and then it said something about covid going the wrong way and it's like no 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 they're not flooded with COVID. They're literally flooded with water. Literally flooded. Yeah. Shop How misleading. The mail by chance. Some kind of right wing nonsense. Okay. Stephen, morning, ladies. I love how fast how last Friday's live veered from nutrition and training to ge- <laughs> geography and etymology. I laughed my socks off. Just to be. Cl- just to clear up my origins, I was born in beautiful Birmingham. Lol. Named Stephen because I was born on Christmas Day, and I've spent 30 of my 55 years of living in Lanzarote. Wow. Also, what, sorry, Does that, do you get that? Why is his name Stephen? Because he was born on Christmas Day. Saint Stephen. I'm sure he's one of the... One of the James! James will know. He's like very au fait with this kind of thing. Let's Google it. <laughs> yeah. I would have thought something more. I don't know. Moses. Why are you called Stephen? No, Emma. <laughs> no. <laughs> You've got it completely wrong. Why is Stephen's Day called Boxing Day? St. Stephen's Day, also called the Feast of St. Stephen. Oh, yes, the, the, the hymn. Is a Christian saint's day to commemorate St. Stephen, the Christian martyr or proto-martyr, celebrated on the 26th of December in Western Christianity and the 27th of December in Eastern Christianity. Thank you, Stephen, for the new knowledge. Thank you, Stephen, for sharing that. 
uh, the feast of Saint Stephen. Isn't that the line that rhymes with deep and crisp and even? Yeah. The only What's way the to tune, though? Be... What? What's the tune to it? Um. What's even the song? I don't know the song. Is it Glock uh, Excelsius? I can't sing anymore because of my COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck! Just get that pitch just right. Everyone's going to hate us soon. They're going to be like, I used to listen to these lives for info and now you just chat shit for an hour. (laughs) Right, okay, let's answer a question. He goes, I love being part of this group. All the ladies are amazing and I've dropped nearly two notches on my belt so far. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Oh, we love you. Caroline says, fellow Brit living in Spain. I'm in Barcelona. Stephen says, ha ha, according to the people, you're not in Spain. I think I'd rather be in Barcelona than Lanzarote. Yeah. <laughs> I just dropped some serious shade. Um, how are things going? We've been so lucky with COVID, just the economy taking due to a lack of tourists. Okay, right, next. <laughs> Liz. <laughs> Hi, Emma and Chloe. Happy Monday. My 14-year-old daughter is keen to come to the gym with me over the summer holidays. She's fully grown at five foot six. I wouldn't be so sure at 14. She might still have a few inches left in her. And has no health issues, but she hates PE and group activities generally. This is me. She loves climbing and walking. Is she okay to start lifting weights at this age? What do you think? Her name is Y-S-E-L-L-A, pronounced Isella. Oh, Isella. Any guesses as to where that originates, Chloe? Um, Emma, what are your thoughts on a 14-year-old lifting weights? Um, I would probably prefer she starts with bodyweight stuff. And to be honest, there's no, there isn't actually any danger to it as like given she is properly instructed and is lifting weights with proper form and isn't going ridiculously heavy. That's the caveat, but that's kind of the caveat to everyone. I think there was a period of time where people thought it would stunt your growth, but there's really no evidence to support that whatsoever. Um, But especially as she's just starting out, she probably doesn't need that much weight per se. Like her body weight is probably going to be enough, at least initially. And then once you get those movements, like get her to absolutely nail squats push-ups sit-ups lunges pull-up if she wants to do climbing pull-ups that's a really great goal to get her better at climbing so i would focus on those things and make sure the movement patterns are really good and then at some point you can introduce weights like it's not the end of the world but it's just not necessarily necessary and the only thing that puts me off a little bit and i know you said she doesn't like team sports and things and i guess 14 is like getting a little bit older but I remember when I worked at David Lloyd's they were they had this like kids gym thing which I was pretty against I was kind of like I did, really just don't feel like kids should one it's not safe to have kids like running around the gym I don't feel like it's an environment for them 14's a little bit older and if she's with like a parent kind of okay but like kids in the gym and then so there's that side of it and then I also just think there's like a bit of a notion and I don't know whether it should be like this but I feel like it is like this that you go to the gym to look a certain way or you go to the gym to lose weight or you go to the gym for like vanity reasons to an extent and I think when you're younger that might especially be true and whether that's something we can change from a societal perspective or not like I I just worry a little bit about the body image side of it yeah I, I would agree with Emma in terms of body weight starting with body weight and maybe like nailing those really great body weight exercises like she said like the chin-ups like the pull-ups like the push-ups you know even even sit-ups um getting really like good in her body at moving her body and coordination and and building on that strength via body weight certainly for the first year or two and then maybe when she's 16, I would say, would probably be like a nice age to kind of get her into weightlifting. And I agree, you know, I'm at David Lloyd as well, and they do frequently have kids running around the gym floor, and it makes me feel incredibly uncomfortable because it's so unsafe. It is so unsafe. I'm like, at any point, anybody could trip, fall, break of this, break of that. Like, I don't, I, I, it makes me feel uncomfortable. And, and yeah, I'm not into it. There is also, again, I was talking about like notions, whether they're correct or incorrect. 
I don't necessarily agree with the with the gym body image. Well, I do agree in terms of an adult perspective, but for kids, for kids, a gym I think would just see they would just see it as like a giant climbing frame. I know I would have if I was that yeah, age. Yeah, but I think at like a fourteen year old girl, like I've just seen groups of like teenage ish girls, yes, and it does kind of feel like. But I think like my the notion that makes me slightly uncomfortable, and again, this is really outdated and really old school, but I'm just gonna say it. Kids should be moving around and being active, like, outside, like, playing around outside. A gym space is very much an adult space to train. I mean, it's a real specificity. And unless you're talking about, like, a a teenage athlete, someone who wants to go into the Olympics or go into the Olympics, get to the Olympics or, you know, really absolutely annihilate a chosen sport and, and, and pursue it professionally, I don't think kids should be quote unquote exercising their bodies in a gym space I think that's reserved for adults um but I do think getting her good at the body weight stuff and I also think maybe when she's 16 transitioning her onto the compound lift specifically so things like getting her a PT who can teach her how to squat deadlift bench press um military press those big lifts are probably a really good place for someone who's you know starting out um so then you are really taking it a a bit further away from body image as emma pointed out and focusing it a little bit more on the performance aspect of lifting which is fun um that yeah that would be my advice yeah i think as long as it's approached in the right way and it's great that she's into climbing like that said her climbing will be benefited from some like body conditioning type work especially if it's body weight because effectively climbing is strength to body weight ratio yeah that's what's going to be really important um and Izella, I googled it. It's Cornish because I didn't know, but I do love a. Cornish. I would have literally never guessed that Cornish. I, yeah, Cornish. I wouldn't have guessed it, but I do love a Cornish name. I have to say. Right, name okay. another one then. Another name or another Cornish name? Another Cornish name. Uh, what is the Cornish name for for mermaid? One of my friends in Cornwall just called their daughter that. Hang on. Uh name for mermaid it's amazing oh uh morverin 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 oh morverin um associated with the mermaid of xenor i love cornish fairy tales i got this is my come up cornish fairy tales is my come up my childhood come up we used to go to cornwall every weekend um okay ollie Morning, I hope you both had a wonderful weekend. We all know calories is a weekly average and protein is daily. Thank you, Ollie. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, I do, because people still ask it, and I'm like, come on! As per your institutions, I aim for twice my body weight in protein. I'm currently at 82 kgs for 164 grams of protein. It will fluctuate from 155 to 210 on different days. Will this make much of a difference rather than getting 164 grams in on a daily basis? Thank you. No. These are all brackets that are there or thereabouts and what we want. Emma? Sorry, some of that I didn't hear. <laughs> I'm just going to agree. Okay. Emma was agree. that a carbohydrate target he was talking about? No, protein. He's in a bracket. Of oh, protein. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely fine. I think it, it matters more for smaller women who are on a lower uh, protein target if you're like oh I only got 40 grams one day and then I had 200 the next day and you're like no 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 like it's not an average but if you're already saturating that response and actually I was doing a bit of reading this weekend and I need to do a little bit more because I still want to finalize my thoughts on it but the whole like protein refractory period which essentially is the premise that you should stimulate muscle protein synthesis then allow a sort of three hour gap before you stimulate it again that's kind of how it works like you stimulate something it has a response and then it needs to come back down to baseline to be stimulated again a really crude way i've heard people describe this is like getting an erection (laughs) and it has to come down to then be stimulated again i don't know if that's a good description or not no i don't think it is a good description yeah maybe not maybe not but if you think of it like you need time before that muscle protein synthesis response can be stimulated again um that might be something to consider a little bit in that make sure i mean you can overcomplicate this like basically most people will be doing this if they just have breakfast lunch and dinner yeah and they don't have that within like a very short period of time 
simple. I think it's it's less about um, <clears throat> read the protein refractory period. I think it's less about people overthinking it in terms of like, oh, I need to get it in every three hours. When, as Emma said, your average Joe is having breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's that's all you need to think about. I think about it's more like our community being like, so I should have it every X amount of time and I should wake up in the middle of the night and like down eggs a la Ronnie Coleman. And it's like, no, because it's just at like, I said this on the podcast, it's expensive, it's not spiking MPS and it's not great for the environment. So why? Why would you exceed at a window of time where you're not, it's not doing anything for you? And then of course you go too far the other way where people question too much the other way and they're like, what happens if I have too much protein? And they start to panic and it's like, you'll be fine your body will absorb it and let it go so yeah the way i see it isn't isn't like oh that means i should eat every three hours that uh, the way i see it is that means i should leave a decent time between when i have breakfast and when i had lunch or have lunch and that you shouldn't and this is one of like the big arguments against things like branched chain amino acids like i mean there are other arguments against that but constantly sipping on protein or constantly Honestly, I just think constantly eating. I think a similar thing can be said with a different mechanism for constantly elevating glucose levels by just constantly grazing on things. I actually think it's really useful to us to have periods of time where we don't eat. Yeah. And I think that's taken to the extreme with things like long-term intermittent fasting or like daily fasting or 48-hour fast. But people will be like, oh, should I do a 48-hour fast? I'm like, no, but what you should do is stop snacking the whole day and actually just have your breakfast, wait until lunchtime to have your lunch, wait until dinner time to have your dinner, maybe have something before you go to bed. That, great, yeah, I think there are huge benefits to that. You certainly don't need to do 72-hour fast or 48-hour fast, but it's just funny that people will look at the extremes and like, well, instead of thinking, should I just completely fast, why don't you just think, should I stop snacking the, the whole day? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree with that more. It's it's incredibly beneficial for a multitude of reasons to have periods, hours of the day where you stop eating. And actually one of the really nice kind of behavioral kickbacks of taking into account like the three to five hour protein refractory period is that it actually can get you, and I always talk about this and I'll continue to, some routine with your food every three I my alarm and when you're on a fat loss diet specifically but really anyone we talk about getting into a routine with food and in my personal opinion it really does promote a healthy relationship with food I don't mean a really hyper controlling like you know crazy meltdown if you can't eat your meal at the exact time you normally do but I mean like getting into routine with food like every three to five hours I'm gonna have another protein rich fiber rich meal it's fucking fantastic for your relationship with food and also the food's relationship with your body physiologically um and it's I just think that that whole kind of yeah that whole premise is actually quite helpful as a coach to give clients and I it started becoming one of my main coaching tips right off the bat with new clients I want you to eat every three to five hours I want you to know what you're going to eat every three to five hours unless you're going out that's when flexible dieting can come to the fore but flexible dieting should not be a tool that you use every day or even every other day it should be a tool that you use every few days or every week whatever when you need to when you're going out when you have a bit more of a life um but routine with food is incredibly, incredibly important, especially with a physique goal. But even like Emma always talks about in this day and age with the amount of hyper palatable calorie dense food on every fucking street corner that we can get for £2.50. Is a, I'm sorry, but we do need to reassess our mental and physical relationship with food. We just do. Um, and I, I won't hear an argument said against that. I won't have it. I won't uh, hear the it. The other thing, I don't know if you find this, but if I snack a lot, I'm just constantly hungry. Yes, like if I 100%. stop eating for a period of time, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, like there'll be a couple of hours at least where I'm like not hungry. But if I'm constantly like eating, I just feel constantly hungry as well. Oh, d- totally. And I find that with um, like quote unquote junk food, specifically like ch- chocolate and sugary stuff. Like, yes, I can fit it into my diet. Of course I can. And yes, for some people, that's very good coaching advice because this all or nothing mentality is the problem. But for me honestly like if I keep it in my diet I just want to keep eating it like I've got a problem with chocolate so actually sometimes it's easier just to be like you know what I'm just going to cut it out for a short period of time and then I'll reintroduce it and again like people get so upset about that advice and it's like I would find dieting harder if I was eating a bar of chocolate every day I know I I, I know I would that's why I've had to cut it out many times does that mean I have a horrible relationship with chocolate it's just no I just really really like it and it's hard for me to, to you know 
get my shit together around it. I mean, I yeah, could, and I think I, it, that's fine to do as long as you understand why you're doing it and that exactly. you're not scared of chocolate. That you're just like, oh yeah, this is this is useful to me at the moment. And I think there needs to be a little bit more leeway because there's almost this like encouragement of like at the cost of other things include something that you know like a treat or your diet isn't properly balanced and i'm like look if you're a petite woman looking to lose body fat what's going to fill you up more something that's like and it like like a whole food source of food or a chocolate bar absolutely the whole food source and if you're on limited calories it makes a hell of a lot of sense to choose that 99 percent of the time fucking a fucking a right okay i've got a question here okay Laura Penny. Hi, just wanted to say a huge thank you to you both. This is round two for me. And although I'm still technically in a fat loss phase, I've got a performance goal of marathon this time. And you have really helped me get my head around the cardio slash increased hunger balance and getting to the point of feeling settled with more of a maintenance mindset whilst I'm training, which is a massive relief of pressure. My marathon training has been so much better this time with the nutrition and strength training and has exponentially affected my running for the better as I'm running one uh, one to one and a half minutes faster per mile. Holy hell. Nice. That's freaking massive. That is massive. Um, I can't describe how proud I am of this. To add to this, since you advised to increase my calories from 1600 to 1800 a couple of weeks ago, my adherence is so much better and by some miracle, I've actually lost 1.5 kilograms since the beginning of this round as well. So absolutely buzzing with, from all aspects at the moment. I love you girls. Do you know what? This is such a good example of how taking the pressure off fat loss actually just like enables things to happen. And I mean, this is so typical. It's, I was really struggling to 1600 calories. So obviously adherence wasn't good, right? So bring your calories up. Your adherence is better. Even though your calories are higher, you were, you're now in a bigger deficit shown by the fact that you've actually lost fat and you're fueling your performance like that one to one point uh to one and a half minutes quicker per mile oh is insane God. that's incredible i mean i feel like knocking just like half an <laughs> off is amazing like that's yeah and and you know you say oh, by some miracle it's not a miracle the what was the sentence before my adherence is better and by some miracle i've lost and this is the thing and i think that people don't necessarily understand or not understand, that's the wrong word, sorry, don't notice when you do take your calories to an exceptionally low point. I don't think that, well, I know for a fact, because I've been doing this long enough, and I'm sure Emma will agree, you don't notice how much your adherence will start to suffer. And even, like, denial can play a bit of a thing. Like, oh, I just had a bit of a pip, so it's only, like, you know, half a slice of toast and toast, or so I'll try it. It's like, I promise you, if you get to a point where you're, like, eating, you're fueling your workouts, you're fueling your recovery, you're taking your rest days, you're satiated, you're happy, you're full. And let's say that you are on those 1800 calories and you, you start to kind of really get really comfortable around that 1700 mark. You are going to see your physique results start to take shape. Adherence is everything, everything. Yeah. Whenever we hear someone who's come to us saying they're on really low calories, but not losing weight, it's always adherence. It's never anything else. And it, but it's just the way that as a coach you approach that because you don't want to be like, yeah, you're just not sticking to stuff. It's like, no, no, no. You're trying to stick to something which, you know, it's not, it's not, doesn't say anything about you. It doesn't mean that you're not, you don't have enough willpower or you're not trying hard enough or anything like that. It's just simply that it's very freaking hard to stick to that low calories and a normal physiological response to over-restriction is over-indulgence. And mm -hmm. so you're kind of working against yourself with that. And then it's a hard mindset to get into. And I think what does really help is having a coach just be like, this is what we're doing, stick to it. That's that's the real difference because you always question yourself. You're like, oh, I've not got results and I kind of understand energy balance. So surely if I've not got results, what I need to do is lower my calories so I'm in a deficit. But if you actually consider your behaviors and the fact that lower calories are going to mean that you end up overeating, then on average, you're not going to be in a deficit or not as big a deficit as you might have hoped. And I think that people really struggle to get their head around the fact that they can be on, I don't know, 1200 calories for four or five days a week and then undo that with overeating. Like this, it's still like, but I've been on a, you know, I've been good for most of the week, right? Quote unquote good. I've been on low calories for most of the week. Why am I not losing weight? 
it's actually surprisingly easy to undo that deficit. A hundred percent agree with every word. Um, I just we just got tagged in a in a photo while you were talking. One of the girls is um in Spain with her band. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> I brought my band to Spain and then just put loads of like band emojis, like a trumpet, some drums. Oh, this makes me very pleased. Um, do we have any more on the live? Uh, someone said the erection and protein chat reminds me of the time someone asked about how many calories were in cum. I can't remember now. Seven. Seven, Seven right. calories a teaspoon of jizz. Obviously, I log that to my memory. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I didn't. Quite irrelevant to Why me. Why am I like this? Why am I like this? Have you noticed every time I do Q&As on Instagram, I would say I get 50% health and fitness questions and 50% sex questions every time. Do you, what, like, what kind of sex questions? Like everything. I told you the other day I got one being like, is it okay to sleep with a guy on the first date? Yes, <laughs> of course it is. How old are we? <laughs> and then I got another one being like, I get it all the time. Like, I can't, I can't be monogamous. Like, what can I do? Like, what do I do? I'm like, I am not qualified to be helping you with this. I I've heard it's... some quite good um, arguments for like non-monogamous relationships. And there's arguments for both. I think it's because when James and I did a couple's quarantine, this is the kind of shit we talked about solidly for a year. And now people are just like, Chloe, like, I know nothing. I'm not qualified. <laughs> anyway. It's still, I just think they're quite interesting topics to chat about, though. I think because it goes against like social norms, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if I believe in monogamy, to be honest. I, the older I get, the more I'm like, how realistic really was this? <laughs> I just find it very surprising that you'd find one person that you'd want to be with forever. But then that also might be why I'm single. <laughs> no, maybe, surely not. Maybe you just got there quicker than everyone else. I talk about we talked about this on Couples Quarantine. James and I say it all the time. Like now that we're actually married, we look back and we're like, why did we care? But it's so weird. Like what it's so odd. It's just a, a classic societal trap. Like anyway. Okay. Kim Elliott. Hi, ladies. Quick one. Why do people do bench press with an arched back? Is that not just damaging your back? I'm just curious. I'm not sure if it's for me. Thanks. Uh, yeah, you should be doing bench press with an arched back if you can, if you have that kind of range of motion. It's um pushes your shoulder, shoulder into your sockets and kind of protects them more in the lift itself. Um, I'm a big fan of it. I rarely bench press, to be honest, but when I do, I absolutely do arch my back. Uh, Emma, what are your thoughts on arching while bench pressing? Um, I think for most people, I probably like, I mean, maybe a slight arch so that you're driving through your feet. Like, make sure your feet are planted on the floor, I think is yeah. a good one. Um, yeah. And as Chloe's saying, like, you're really thinking about pushing your shoulder blades back into the pad. But, and the reason I say I, I probably wouldn't suggest, like, not just like watching some powerlifter because they sometimes do like their bodies are like a you like it's insane don't just look at that and think like that's how I do it because they are obviously trained to do that to be honest for most of us it doesn't hugely matter as long as you're lifting with good form so I wouldn't like over stress about it but yeah the idea is I I don't know if even part of the idea is kind of to reduce the range of motion a little bit yeah and then you can technically lift heavier yeah, it is. It's, it's to it's to allow you to lift heavier, and it is a, it it will protect your shoulders in the lift, and it will also kind of incite good form. But Emma's right. You see, like proper proper powerlifters on Instagram doing like fucking mad back arches, doing it. And fair play to them. They got to do what they got to do. Do what you got to do. Fine. That doesn't apply to Joe Public. Like a small little arch to protect your shoulders and kind of again keep your range of motion in the right range and keep your form good protect your shoulders this is, these are all good things to do but you absolutely like I've seen it I've actually got a power I've got a world champion powerlifter on the podcast tomorrow that'll be out on Wednesday and I'll be asking him all of these questions I'm literally going to start from like rudimental what is powerlifting and go all the way to specifics like this so listen to that it'll be out on Wednesday morning oh that's very exciting yes um anything on the live yeah Hi girls, happy Monday. I know this was posted before, but what do you suggest read calories the week before my period? 
I'm in a calorie deficit and managing approximately 16-1700 calories per day. I feel jaded and normal satiating foods just aren't working. Can you bring calories up this week or is it just a mindset to get on with it? Yeah, we're happy for you to come up to maintenance uh, the week before you're on. Your, uh, your body temperature will likely increase too, so you'll probably still be in a bit of a minor deficit. Um, but I would be really, really mindful of psychology v physio physiology here, okay? So, this, so the physiology of you being satiated applies, even if you haven't come up to maintenance. So making sure you're getting your protein and veg in, eating every three hours so you don't let yourself go hungry, and then finishing off your meals with something you know, sweet or naughty or whatever, um, so naughty. Kind of naughty. So you're full, but then you're getting that sweet tooth hit that you that you're craving on your period, and being very, very fucking mindful of the fact that psychologically, when you're on, you think that you're starving, you want all the food in the world, and that nothing's ever going to satiate you. And oh my god, I just have to eat a bucket of chocolate. No, like monitor it, be conscious of it, be cognizant of it, and um, and try and keep your shit together. But yeah, come up to maintenance and do all the other tricks I said, Emma. I would try if you, like so obviously you're gonna have a period every month try a couple of different things so try and also realize that actually some months are harder than others for other yeah. reasons you've got other things going on in your life it's not the only factor that's going to impact things but there are a couple of options yeah you can bring calories up to maintenance you could even bring calories above maintenance and just accept being in a little bit of a surplus that week absolutely fine you have unconditional permission to eat whatever you want whatever you want but you have to own the consequences of that that means you won't be in a deficit that week. Not a big problem. You could be in a bigger deficit for the rest of the weeks in that month and lose the same amount of body fat. But if, and this is the case for me, even if you were in a bit of a surplus, you would still be craving. And basically, yeah. you know, eating more chocolate doesn't really help you or eating more calories isn't really satiating this, like, what have you said? That that actually, you're, you know, you're not feeling satiated despite eating satiating foods, et cetera, et cetera. That might just be like, I just find it's, even if I do bring calories up, it doesn't really make any difference. I still want more. So I, I kind of just accept, I'm like, it's going to be like this for a couple of days. I'll just work through it. This will pass. Basically, I just tell myself this will pass. Now, that's not the right approach for everyone, but you could try increasing calories. You could try this will pass. The other thing that I have a bit of a theory that I think might trip people up is trying to stick to roughly their calories or even bring up to maintenance doesn't really matter but then including things that they really want so say they're like right I'm going to use these extra calories for chocolate or I'm going to use some of my current calories for chocolate this week because that's what I'm craving fine on paper but actually when you do that that's often why you're less satiated because yeah. you've swapped out what might have been a huge plate of whole foods for a bar of chocolate yeah. obviously you're less satiated after that and that's actually a big impact so there's all these sort of considerations but it's figuring out what's going to work best for you um and maybe try something this month record it see what happens see how you feel see how you coped if that works for you stick with it don't change anything if you think it didn't work particularly well for you next month maybe just try sticking to the plan giving yourself a really good structured plan exactly what chloe was saying about knowing what you're going to eat, giving yourself some routine. I would, I mean, what I do personally, and this isn't best for everyone, but I double down on those days because I'm like, I know this is going to be my hardest couple of days of the month from an adherence point of view. So I'm going to make sure that I actually have things planned. And that's not just things like my meals and stuff, but like if I know that actually usually it's in the evening where I overeat, okay, well, what am I going to do this evening? So that I'm not just stuck in that position of, oh, I've suddenly found I have nothing to do this evening, so I'll just overeat. No, yeah. make a plan, do something. Even if it's just, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to read this book or I'm going to have a bath then or, you know, whatever. It doesn't have to be crazy plans. It can be something really simple, but then you've got a plan to stick to. And just realizing that actually those couple of days or that week, often we're not as rational, we're not as highly motivated and you maybe need to, pre that like pre that period where your mood's off plan ahead for it and then kind of don't trust your mood during those days and I'm saying this from my perspective that's what works for me and I know how my mood is at that time of the month but everyone is slightly different and some people aren't particularly affected and some people are affected way worse than I am so 
it isn't a one size fits all. I love all of that, but my favorite part of all of that was when you said, even if I do increase my calories, even if I do eat whatever I want to eat, the cravings aren't going to go anywhere anyway. They're not going to subside. And that's what I was trying to say when I'm trying to say psychologically, be aware of that. It doesn't matter. Come up to maintenance, fine. Make sure that you have some chocolate after every meal, fine. Like Emma said, you have free license to come off your diet if you want. Eat everything you can fucking find in sight. It's not going to stop it. And you're just going to go backwards on your goals. And I hate to sound like a savage coach. You know, we all get, we all have good periods and bad periods. We all have weeks where we're like, I mean, I know I've had weeks where I've struggled just to get out of bed. Where I literally, like, it's amazing that I'm not in prison for murdering James. Amazing. Like, I deserve a medal. But it, we can all relate. We can all fucking relate. Come off my dad, not come off my dad. At the end of the day, it's happening. And I hate to say it. I'm just going to say it. You just got to get on with it. The the people who I really, really want to lean on me um, in terms of my client base and this kind of thing is people who are going through, like, endometriosis. And that, and again, like I know that it, it never helps when you say, well, I know that you think you have it bad, but this person has it even worse. It's like, fuck off. It's all relative. Like what's hard for me is not hard for you. And, and round and round we go. It's all relative. And also you never know what someone else is feeling. Yeah. Like, you and then be like, oh, I don't really get period pains, but actually someone else's pain tolerance is way lower. So for them, yeah. that is really painful, you know, or it is genuinely painful or, you know, it's all it's all relative so if you think you're going through something that's painful you're going through something that's painful a hundred percent and I completely agree but let me just tell you from a coaching perspective I and I've been doing this for a long time that is a real struggle like that is a real real struggle and it's heartbreaking to to watch and have to have to coach somebody through so you know I know that for some people that's really unhelpful advice like thanks bitch I'm still in hell but for some of you, it might actually, and for me, it does this, shift your thinking into being like, you know what, this could be a hell of a lot worse. And, you know, that's just something, I don't know, it's very client dependent in terms of the psychology, but it may or may not help you buckle up, really. Yeah, agreed. And I think if you are someone who struggles really badly, then obviously medication and speaking to your doctor and things yeah. is and probably we, the best way to deal with it. And in terms of anybody, I don't know if we have anyone in the EC method with endo, and if we do, please reach out. Um, but typically re-expenditure re swimming is a, is a nice thing to do. Oh, did everybody see the back of Emma's top there? She's like business in the front, party in the back. Okay, let's move on to another question. Pamela George, good morning. Still a bit disgruntled about the appearance of my legs. I am fairly lean, nothing to lose really. Five foot seven and 57 kg. Yup, I would say you are, and I would like to see some photographs imminently, please. Weight has been up and down by a kg here and there. I've lost two centimeters off my hips. I'm happy with my shape. My strength is improving, but these bloody, blobby legs are doing my head in. The front of my thighs are just lumpy and bumpy in appearance. Hubby says they've been like that since I was 18. <laughs> Cheers, Hubby. <laughs> Love the savagery of men. They'll never change, but I am determined. Okay. Any further exercises you could recommend, please? Thank you, sausage legs. Um, okay, so 5'7", 57 kg. Yes, you're lean. We need to see some photos. You, okay. Okay, cellulite is a mixture of things. We actually did an EC Method podcast on it, so I'm sure if you go back and find it, you can listen to it. I think that it was, was our favourite one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was so boring. <laughs> but you can go back and listen to it. Cellulite is down to a, 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 a myriad of factors. One of them is genetics. If you're saying that since 18 years old all the way to now, and I don't actually know how old you are, but I presume you're older than 19, all the way to now, it might just be that genetically, this is where you store body fat and this is where you have cellulite. And the reason why we have cellulite, the only interesting fact on the podcast, which we repeat because it's the only interesting part, is that our connective tissue between skin to muscle, muscle is crisscrossed and it kind of sandwiches it and gives it that uneven effect on the skin. 
Um, whereas men have a vertical connective tissue, which I, I mean, who knew this? I did not know this, uh, which is why that men don't tend to really have it. Um, and we can get it anywhere on our bodies, but it's fair to say that it is simply body fat. It tends to happen on the lower body, predominantly in women, because that tends to be where we hold more body fat. And if you are five foot seven at 57 kgs training and it's not gone anywhere, it might not be going anywhere. And there'll be periods of time where it's better and worse, depending on, again, a lot of different moving lifestyle factors. Um, but this might be one of those body acceptance moments where you just have to embrace and appreciate and love your body. Now, another idea that I would have for you would be to maybe bring you up into maintenance because you are very light start to really focus on hypertrophy on your lower body on building some of that muscle up um and and seeing if that maybe made a bit of a difference um but given that body fat and muscle as we always say two different types of mass it might very well not but hey something to try and those would be my thoughts emma um yeah, agreed with all of that. I think the whole cellulite thing as well is often you're looking at your body in such a critical way, in a way that you don't look at other people's bodies or in angles that you don't see in other people's bodies. And it's one of the reasons that there are pros to the pictures that are like, oh, here's me standing up, looks like I'm a perfect fitness model. And then here's me lying down, like you can see my cellulite. Now, there are pros and cons to photos like that. And, and part of like the con, I think, is that you're still identifying that cellulite is like a, a quote-unquote bad thing. It's not. It's just a thing. We all have it. I have cellulite. Chloe has cellulite. I have stretch marks all over my ass. Like, I've never been overweight, but yet I have stretch marks. So it has not... Sometimes these things, like... But it's just freaking normal. Like, everyone has it. Literally everyone. And the people you see that don't have it are airbrushed. Like, it's, it's not real not to have any kind of, like, cellulite at all anywhere. That's normal. So I think there are different, like, I mean, we haven't seen photos yet, but there are different situations. As you were talking, I was like, okay, this could be, like, one of two extremes. It could be one, you have freaking normal legs and you're making a big deal out of the fact that you've got a little bit of cellulite, which is normal and inevitable and you can't get away from it. Or two, the other end of the extreme, which is that some people have a condition called lymph lymphedema, yeah. Which, when you're quite lean, often isn't, like, it might just be like, oh, it's really strange because I'm lean everywhere, but, like, I still have quite large legs. Like, I can't really understand why. And sometimes it is that. And that's, it's yeah. not something that extra dieting, like, lifestyle can help. Diet and exercise can help. But it's a problem with your lymphatic system. So it, more and more diet and exercise, it's probably never going to completely go away. So that that is another consideration at the other end of the extreme. I I very much doubt that that is the case, but that is something else. And then what Chloe was saying at the end about bringing up to maintenance and working on resistance training and building muscle, I would recommend to basically anyone who feels like they're now quite light or quite lean, maybe not, actually wrong way to frame it. They feel like they're quite light and maybe they don't have a lot of body fat left to lose, but they don't feel lean yet. And on the problem there is that you don't have enough muscle mass. It's not that you've got too much body fat anymore. You've lost the body fat. You now don't have enough muscle mass. That's why you don't look like a fitness model or you yeah. don't look like what you thought would happen when you dieted. It's lack of, of muscle mass. It's not too much body fat. And I think this is a problem we see quite a lot is people just dieting and dieting and dieting because they're like, oh, I don't feel lean yet. I don't look lean yet. It's like, you will never look lean because <laughs> there's not the underlying muscle mass there to look lean, to look that way. So you have to start building muscle mass. Yeah, 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 yeah. Preach, preach, preach. Say it over and over again. <laughs> they didn't hear it in the back. For the cheeks in the back. Build some motherfucking muscle in the back. <laughs> wow, thanks for that, babe. Thanks for the support. Um, okay. It. We were talking and I was having like a, like a literally Mexican wave in my head for you. <laughs> that is so important though. It is quite common, isn't it? Yes, I'm sick of it, to be honest. I'm like, build, go build, stop with the fat loss. Go away and build some muscle. Go. And you can see why, because it's so much easier to lose muscle. I mean, sorry, to lose fat than yeah. building but muscle takes a hell of a lot more patience. It's been drilled into us as women, which again, I, and I know sometimes I do sound savage, but because I'm trying to, <laughs> lol, drill it into you the other way. I, I kind of want you to have my savage voice in my head telling you the truth. 
which is you don't need to lose fat, you need to gain muscle. Because it's been too long that we've been thinking the wrong thing. Agreed. Right, Laura Penny. I don't want to jinx this, Chloe. But she says, also, I was thinking this morning, Chloe hasn't been banned from Facebook this round yet. I know. Can we get a round of applause? Well done, well done. I completely attacked them. I trolled them on Instagram. And was like, sort your shit out. They're not doing it. They have so much to answer for. Well, so do a lot of places, to be honest. Um, I've realised what it is, is it's any gender specific, for me personally, because I'm, you know, not a complete arsehole. It's any gender specific swear words or sentences. So if I keep gender out of it, I won't. If, so I can't say like bitch, for example. Um, can't say anything like, remember the time I got banned from being like all men are morons. <laughs> yeah can't I got banned for that can't basically that's where I'm going wrong I'm sure everybody has their own downfall but that's mine (laughs) that could be it okay right I see arching back as cheating as your chest is closer to the bar and it does not feel safe with my lower back issues uh nice top Emma a vest in the wash (laughs) P.S. loved how you jumped up and run so quickly first time I've seen you do that since your surgery Han I'm standing I know, I've noticed that. I'm, I've on my, I'm on my standing desk today. It made me feel like a piece of shit for sitting down. Um, I love how your t-shirt, I said, is business in the front and party in the back. <laughs> it is party in the back. Fit, proper sexy. Yeah, but then I think, like, imagine if I got tan lines like that. <laughs> no idea. You've, you've been cupping. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. hey guys, not a question. Just wanted to say massive thank you for the part you have played in my newfound love of lifting. Yes. When I say you're part of it, I mean 100% credit. I'm genuinely pissed off it's taken you 33 years of my life to discover, but better late than never. I've never been happier and just figured it was important to let you guys know, except that, except when I'm doing ab rollouts and I hate life and hate you both more than you can imagine. <laughs> but you'll love your core. It's Emma's fault. Um, I love that. I was pissed off that I found it as late as I found it. And I found it at what? 22? 23? Mm. Yeah. And I was fucking pissed off about it. That's why I'm like, I will be mean <laughs> mean about it. Because I want every... And you know what? If some of you turn around, and this obviously does happen all the time, and say, I actually really don't like it. Fine. We'll, we can have another discussion. But I find it highly hard to believe that anybody would love being on a cross trainer for an hour over doing a lower body session personally is that a really ignorant thing to say no i don't know i don't i yeah i guess when you like something it's hard to see why other people don't but everyone obviously likes different things and like my i always try and get my mum in the gym and she just hates being in the gym it's like if i'm gonna exercise i want to be outside fair a hundred percent. My neither of my parents are ever going to set foot in a gym. I bought my dad so much equipment as well. He's yeah, I bought my dad a pure gym membership. He's not been. Oh no, they don't care. They don't care. I my dad started doing um, squats because apparently, and I don't know because I haven't read about this, heard about it. I just I don't whatever. Apparently, there's new evidence to show that specifically the movement of squats is good for brain health, specifically dementia which I didn't know this, but he said he had this whole program on it on Radio 4, so now he started doing squats because dementia runs in my family. And I was like, fine, fair, do what you want. Get him do. to take creatine as well. Yeah, I've, I'm like, as long as you're taking your fish oils and your creatine and basically all the supplements I've given you, do whatever you want to do. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure like squats will do no harm. I imagine any exercise is going to benefit. So, yeah. and, and if the study was done on squats compared to nothing, then they'd be like, oh my God, it's specifically <laughs> squats that benefit. He said it to me and I sat there for like a good 10 seconds before I replied, like, let me try and compute this in my brain. And then I was like, yep, just do it. Just fucking do it. <laughs> Whatever. It's like there's there's like a really big correlation between longevity and all-cause mortality and how many push-ups you can do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which that, you think, oh, it's such as like, mm, it's not, I mean, I mean, it's not this, the push-ups. It's just a proxy for how strong you are. And then it's probably a better proxy than just, I don't know maximal like about amount of or even just like bench press because you're using your core you're using your own body a little bit so there is an element of 
if you're not massively overweight, you'll be able to do more push-ups for the same relative strength because you're carrying less weight and you're pushing up less body weight. Yeah. So I guess it, it is in some ways quite a good proxy for that. Absolutely. And yeah, there are some, some body weight exercises are far superior to weighted exercises. It's just less, less of them. But yeah, push-ups, pull-ups, chin-ups, all fab. We're done on the questions on the phone. <laughs> yeah, we are. Also, Sorry, everyone. Chloe's just doing a hair tutorial. Oh, <laughs> Basically, you wrap it that. like this, and then you just mm, massage it's down, pulling on it, right? And it's like, and I literally, I haven't washed my hair in days, so that's probably why it hurts. <laughs> Oops. How often <laughs> you wash your hair? How often? Yeah. Like every three days. Yeah. Today's a dry shampoo day. Yeah. Same, but I obviously haven't put enough in because it's really hurting me. So we're done, and we're going to have um, a surprise for you guys on Friday. The Friday surprise. I can't wait. I'm very excited. Get that thing I tagged you in on Instagram. I've not been... Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, I did. The Dumbledore thing. That's what we got to start doing. <laughs> okay, okay, so, yeah, the next uh, promo for the next DC method. <laughs> You just... Ooh, oh, and we're going to put up the re-sign up link for the next round, which is in two weeks. No, three, because we're going to have a week break between the two, because last time I had a complete meltdown. So we're going to have a week break between the two. So we're going to put up the link this week for you guys. You can re-sign up to start again in three weeks. Um, and then for everybody listening who isn't here but would like to sign up, and I know there's a few of you, you will get the link next week. Yes, yes. It will be live on the website the week after. I will post the link this week. The other thing that we would really love as well is if you guys want to share any progress photos and things, I'm going to put up a little bit of a template for like non-scale victories and kind of testimonials as well that you could share because it would be so useful to us and word of mouth is by far the, the most impactful way for us to spread the word and it always sounds better coming from you guys. And we love transformation photos and seeing the results that you guys have got. But really what's more important to us and being in this group, you'll already know this, but is everything else that goes on. And it's really hard to share that in a like compelling way. So hopefully like this will help do that and kind of show people that it's not just about scale weight loss or transformation photos, that it's about the mindset changes and about how much better people feel and that that's actually what we care about. A hundred percent. So if you're listening on the podcast and you're like, hmm, I would love to sign up to the EC method, head to theecmethod.co.uk. No www dot. No www dot. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>